The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome in citywide, statewide, nationwide, worldwide. I am the big O. Jerry Ostrowski. She is Sarah Larson. We are part of the hottest new show in New York. I always wanted to say that. One of my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite Saturday Night Live segments is, is Stefan. <laughs> we are the hottest new show in New York. Lined again on the Buffalo Rumblings Network. And uh, we're coming to you a little different. We had to record a little bit early uh, yes. this week as we have lives. And... Um, like my friend Sarah, I'm going to enjoy a concert tomorrow night nice. as, uh, at the H.A. Uh, Chapman Stadium, the home of the mighty, mighty University of Tulsa Golden Hurricane, the tour that is Alice Cooper, Def Leppard, and Motley Crue will be coming in tomorrow night. I can and, I uh, can hang with the, the, the Def <laughs> Leppard and the Motley Crue. I'm not so sure about the whole Alice Cooper thing, though. But well, I don't. I I, mean, they're not going to play that long. I think they're starting at six o'clock. They're supposed to be all done by nine forty-five. It's kind of one of these deals where we did this a while ago, way back when I was in college. They did it with New Kids on the Block. They had a concert there, and and we made enough money off of the concert. We were able to buy brand new uh, turf for the field. So, oh, wow. Um, I think this is a quick stop for the boys between Kansas City and Dallas, but it'll be exciting. Get to hang out, um, watch a good show. Vince will sing every fourth word of every song as he is. Uh, <laughs> He is uh, completely, voice is completely blown out. I was going to say, hey. that's what a lot of, I hate to say it, but that's what a lot of artists are doing nowadays. They yeah. they don't sing much of anything. They're, you know, you have the track playing and then they chime in every once right. in a while. And right. uh, it's a little, I don't know. I mean, people pay a lot of money to go and see them and then, and then they don't, a, they don't we, actually we, perform live. Our new president, he's there a couple of years. We've got a very progressive president to you. From what I understand, sometime here soon for a kind of back to school concert, I believe Waka Flocka Flam is going to play. Wow. At TU. So, anyway, should be fun tomorrow night. We have to record, and obviously, we have a lot going on. Uh, preseason game this past weekend, Saturday at noon uh, at Highmark Field, uh, took on the Colts. Um, a lot of interesting stuff to come from that. Some good, some bad, some indifference. 
Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that game. We'll talk about specific position performances um, and some battles that are going on in training camp. We'll also get in a little bit to uh, today. Uh, seems we had a little helmet wielding fight, which was uh, <laughs> it's that time. Yeah. I don't think anybody gets it's three weeks in, four weeks in. Nobody wants to do this anymore. They yeah. want to play football. And, well, I think uh, it's that, and yeah. it's the you know the position battles, as you're saying. People right. have that that pressure now, and um, right. they want to perform and they want to look good doing it. So, and the uh, other secret, yeah. Well, the other secret ingredient to this era is the fact that coaches too like to create stress and like to create tension. And the the word that is used amongst the coaching world is strain. Put some strain on your players so that when Saturday or Sunday comes or Monday night. Um, there's nothing they can do that freaks you out because you've already right. been in the middle of a very high intense, highly stressful, uh, practices and situations like that. So some of that can be man-made, some of it player made frustration, but we'll get into that more. Yes, sir. So, uh, let's, let's rewind a little bit. Let's, let's talk about Saturday. So, um, you know, the bills won. So a little bit of a positive, do we really care? Cause it's preseason, but you know, we always like to see the W, um, but pretty much they came out in the first quarter and uh, we we got to see uh, Kyle Allen under center. Um, how do you how do you feel about what you've seen uh, for he played a whole the whole first half and right. the first um, basically the first uh, series in the second or the third quarter. So how do you uh, how did you feel about watching him? Same last name, not the same channel. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think in Kyle's defense, he's new to the offense. He's new to what's going on. Um, you come out. And the, the, the first preseason game is always the hardest to play in because you've just been beat down for how many days. You've had joint practices and all those things. Those guys still don't have their legs under, and they're still not completely rested and ready to roll. So there is some of that as well. But you know, I can't say that he didn't have a supporting, you know, crowd. I mean, he basically had the starting offensive line in front of him. We'll talk about Osiris Torrance in a minute. But, um, no, I mean, you know, no digs, but Knox was out there. Um, Kincaid was out there. Obviously, Cook started the game. There was, you know, there was a lot of weaponry, and he just right. seemed real comfortable. His, his timing was a bit off. And I don't know what it is. I, and the other problem is this, Sarah, and I, I get your – your, your opinion on this. And if you do feel we need to start looking for possibly a, I don't want to say reject, but somebody that maybe didn't quite fit the numbers at another team and bring him in. But I watched Philadelphia this weekend and I watched Marcus Mariota go out there and it was like just a different version of, of Jalen Hurts. Now, obviously Hurts is, is tremendously gifted and a very really good player, but Mariota fits that scheme so well that he's able to do the same thing play wise as, is hurts. And I'm not sure that Kyle Allen's that guy to Josh Allen. So, right. you know, your opinion on that. Yeah. So, well, first and foremost, um, I am not as positive as you. Um, now Kyle did have, uh, his PFF grade was, was fine. I think it was fourth, um, and our list of, uh, best PFF grades on offense. Um, he handed the ball off a lot. So, um, and when he did throw the ball, it didn't look great. He had a couple of really good passes. Um, we didn't use Knox or Kincaid much of anything. They seemed to be blocking more than, um, than you know, being targeted. 
probably smart on you know on Dorsey's uh, behalf, um, not not to give up too much. Um, I I wasn't super impressed with Kyle Allen. Now, like you said, he pretty much had the whole starting offense, um, you know, there for him. Uh, whether or not we were keeping things back is a whole nother question. Only Dorsey can, you know, can determine that. But um, I am a little nervous. And when I'm sitting here thinking whether or not um, we should be considering Matt Barkley over Kyle Allen, that's that's concerning to me a little bit because, uh, you know, I don't think Barkley's the answer either. Um, no. No. You know, and obviously I don't think that that's going to be, you know, he Barkley was out there with um, third and fourth string players, um, you know, mostly undrafted guys. I don't you know, I look at it and say, you know, obviously the defense Matt went against was a lot different than the the defense that, that Kyle Allen, you know, that Kyle Allen went against. But I'm still at the point now where I do think we should be looking, um, you know, you sometimes you get what you pay for. Uh, but there are options out there to trade um, for for some players. I hate saying it, but Sam Darnold, um, you know, he's an option and would cost about the same because uh, he hit, he made a little bit more than Kyle Allen this year, but it was a signing bonus and his his base pay. So his base pay is around the same amount. Um, when you talk about someone that fits. Uh, we saw it with Kansas City. Um, that game, you know, after Mahomes went out, they still were clicking on all cylinders, and their offense looked looked great. And I don't even remember the backup quarterback's name that was doing it. Gabbert. But he he was um, – no, it was somebody else. Kyle Gabbert played uh, quite a bit. Now, if they started – if they put somebody else in before him, I don't know I would have – because I, I know Gabbert. I know Gabbert. Gabbert. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was, and he had the beard, so – no, I, oh, maybe, I hear what you're saying. Maybe it was just that. But, you know, you know, I feel like we lost out on Bridgewater. We lost out on, um, you know, some some options that we could have brought in that I think would have fit um, the scheme a little bit better than Kyle right. Allen. Um, I know Kyle is, and Josh are friends. I just don't want it to ever come down to affecting the season. Um, well, I think a big part, Sarah, is, you know, this is what I look at. And, you know, people talk about Josh Allen and everything that makes him great. I really, truly believe with what's going on in today's football, you've got to be able to pull the ball down and run and make plays at your feet. Uh, I just really do. I think that's a huge part of the game nowadays. Um, if things break down, especially when you're looking at a backup quarterback, a guy that might not have the throwing ability of the first guy or a guy that maybe comes in, is a little bit rusty, is not quite um, locked into what's going on, you know that in the back of your head, he always has that ability to pull the ball down and, and make plays with his feet. And I think that's that's Josh Allen's biggest attribute. Um, you know, and then you look at what we have behind him. We really don't have that. And it'd be nice to try to find a quarterback. Sam Darnold, obviously, isn't it? But somebody that has that, and you talked about Bridgewater. I think Bridgewater's biggest issue is he's had a ton of injuries as he's gotten older. He's right. not super reliable for the price tag that he has, you know, linked to him. But it'd be nice to find a guy that could go ahead and, and get the pocket moving and maybe do some of the things and compliment Josh and do some of the same stuff he does. I keep going back to the Mariota situation in Philly. That's how I feel about him. I mean, it was like yep. looking at the same guy. And obviously, Marcus was, an, you know, if not the number one overall pick, close to it. 
has played a ton of starting football in the NFL and, and you know now is you know finishing out his career as a backup, but they didn't miss a beat. And I think that's the biggest thing is who's the guy out there that you're never going to find a guy that's got a cannon like Josh. You can throw it like Josh, but you can get a guy that's similar that can make plays out of the pocket. And that's kind of what I'd like to see him try to go get. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was uh, texting with somebody the other day talking about kind of the same thing, like who could we even trade for? Cause there's no free agents really left. Um, but, you know, thinking about even like the Steelers, um, Mason Rudolph, I, I don't know if they're going to keep three. I don't know if that's an upgrade <laughs> from Kyle Mason, Allen. Well, but... Mason's kind of like Mason's kind of like one of the Budweiser Clydesdales. He's not gonna. I watched him play for four years at Oklahoma State, uh, just down the road. He's not a big runner, but yeah, I mean they're similar. Yeah, um, but you know. you know, just maybe getting him out of the situation he's in right now might you know open up some some capabilities for him to, to you know to shine if ever needed. Hopefully, you know, this is a moot point and no one's ever needed um, as, you know, the second string quarterback. But um, there's not a lot of second string quarterbacks out there that I'm super confident in. When you look around uh, the the league, there's probably, you know, five, six, seven um, Huntley right. um, in Baltimore, um, uh, Brissette, but he actually showed that he can start a whole, you know, pretty much three quarters of a season last year when, you know, waiting for, um, for Deshaun to come back. So there's not a lot of people out there that I would be super confident in. I was really hoping we were going to get, um, someone like Bridgewater or Brissett, but in the end, when you see what we paid for a backup quarterback, um, versus what some of these other guys were getting six, $7 million, um, even $4 million is, you know, three and a half times more than what, you know, what we paid. So well, I, I think uh, our perfect, I think our perfect backup quarterback we saw this past weekend. I like Minshew as much as anybody. I think he compliments what Josh does very well. Um, you know, I think, he's but I don't think, cool yeah, I don't think the Colts are going to give him up with, with uh, Richardson being their number one. Um, I think that they, they want that veteran um, to, to well, be there to, and I don't know how you feel. I was I was kind of in, you know, and it's the same thing I did with 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 Hertz last year. Um, I'm I was impressed a little bit with Richardson when he played this weekend. I think he played great. Um, I know that poise. I thought he had great poise. He never looked shook at all, and that was a big yeah. deal to me. Yeah, I mean, I he it was him that threw the interception, right, to Dane Jackson. Yeah, but it was a it was a weird. It, and that's the one thing he'll have to learn in the NFL is you can't make those types of plays that you made in college, throwing the ball out like that. It was a, he got flushed, tried to make a play and you right. can't do that in the league. And right. yeah, so it was a, it was the Dane Jackson pick where he it was, you know, early, but other than that, I thought he, I mean, he pulled out of a, what should have been a, a tackle for loss and had about a 15 yard gain on a, on a quarterback read. Um, now I was impressed with him. And the biggest thing was watching his body language, and how he handled the moment, he was not shook whatsoever. Yeah. I, I have no – other than, obviously, the pick, um, I was looking forward to watching him play. And, you know, uh, it, it, it's his first game. So, and, you right. know, preseason everything. So, I thought that um, he held himself pretty well. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he develops um, as, years go, as, as year goes on. The one thing I will say about the Colts is their offensive line – is not great and it's it kills me because two or three years ago i think they had the best offensive line 
in the right. NFL. So it goes to show how people, you know, move on and uh, how it can quickly affect your team. Um, I, you know, feel for uh, their running back situation right now because um, well, obviously they've had a little bit of success up the middle now. I mean, they didn't they didn't just completely get stuffed running the ball. I I think they definitely had some issues with the pass blocking, but yeah. You know, well, we also I, did have quite a few, several uh, fourth down stops as well, third down stops, third and one stops as well. Um, you know, it it made me feel a little bit po- more positive about our depth, uh, especially on you know defensive tackle and um, on defense on the the ends. Uh, I was pretty impressed, but it it goes back to me thinking, you know, how many people are going to actually make, you know, make this uh, team. So um, do you want to go into that right now? Or do you want to talk about the offense a little bit? I know you wanted to talk about, talk about the, the offense. I want to talk about, I want to talk about the offense and Torrance, but I will say this before we move on, because I'd be amiss not to bring it up. It is quite evident in, you know, being familiar with McDermott as a DC in Philly, um, he will blitz to stop the run. He will blitz to create things. We're not going to be a – I don't think the Bills are going to be a very big, you know, eat up two blocks and, and things like that. They're going to move, and they're going to fill gaps with, with safeties, corners, and things like that. Um, they're, going to, <laughs> they're going to attack. That's why, I, that's why I laugh about – that's why I laugh about all the boo birds out there that are, you know, at one game in, and we're just – it's like, obviously we need a veteran middle linebacker. No, yeah. obviously we don't because our middle linebacker doesn't have to do the things that he used to do. And and really Tremaine, and he's a great player. I'm not saying he's not, but his style of play is he's long. He can go sideline to sideline. He can he can see the ball and get to it. He can drop deep in Tampa too, but he is not a run-stuffing, one-gap type linebacker. He's not a put-your-face-in-there guy. That's not a knock against him. It's just not what he does. Yeah. So I will say, I think, you know, I will say I, I get what people were complaining about a little bit about Dotson. Um, he didn't have a great game. Um, he did have a stop with um, with Demar uh, Hamlin on fourth and one. Um, you know, but you know, regardless of who right. I felt affected the play a little bit more, um, he still got you know uh, credit on the the shared tackle for that. But um, I don't feel like. I don't feel like he had a great game. Now, it depends, and I will say this because we talked about this a little bit with um, when we talked about Edmonds in the past. Uh, he had two. T- he had, I think, two tackles, and one was the shared tackle. Um, but was that what the game plan was? Was he supposed to be more of a, you know, a spy and just kind of, you know, make sure he stays out there and make sure no one gets past him? Was or was he no. supposed to be out there just making sure he called the plays? We, no, I don't think so. I mean, so you think he just had a bad game? Yeah, I don't think he played well. I just don't. Um, and I think it's probably what bubbled into a little bit of today. And we heard the news out of training camp yeah. of him wielding a helmet, and he might have got challenged a little bit by the coaching staff. I mean, your middle starting middle linebacker to me is still is still Dorian Williams, and obviously he's got to learn, and his learn rate will control when he plays and when he doesn't play. But if well, you, right now you they look, have him. Um, they have him at, at the weak side, backing right, up. Right, I know, uh, I know, and that's the thing. That, that's the thing, and and maybe that's because they don't want to put that play calling 
responsibility on a on a rookie linebacker because you have to be able to know where your shades are up front and move guys if they're misaligned and all those right. things. But if you look at the middle linebackers that McDermott's played with as a DC, none of them were like Tremaine Edmonds. They were pluggers. Yeah. They were, I mean, you're looking at Dan Morgan. You're looking at, I mean, Keekley. They are. They were more hardcore, true blue. You know, Keekley could run in this. You know, if he didn't have injuries, is probably a Hall of Famer. But still, he was a tackling machine. His face was on the football all the time. Yep. And that's the type of amount of linebackers they want. That's the type of linebackers they have. And maybe they feel they have that with uh, Bernard in in the. Uh, I'm sorry, in Bernard and Dotson, but obviously Bernard being hurt, he didn't play. So um, right. moving, you know, moving over to offense, I was I made a comment on Twitter after the game, you know, or during the game of basically let the coronation of Osiris Torrance begin. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing that stuck out stood out to me about him was he is a freaking bull. I mean, he is a physically strong, big human, right? And he did have some issues. A little technique wise on some pass pro stuff when uh, he got pressed a little bit on the outside, uh, his outside shoulder, he collapsed that hip a little bit, probably still has some tendencies of when he played tackle. When guys were in his face, he was putting two hands on him and it reminded me of, of Leon Searcy. I mean, he was putting hands through people's chests, moved guys off the ball in the run game, worked well with his teammates. What you'll see Sarah out of a guy like him is, is that it's it's that term we I've used it before the term situational awareness right as he gets more and more comfortable in his position he will be able to evaluate the play before the snap is even made and know where his help is know where right. his danger zone is and all those things he looked to me like he's still trying to figure that out and that's where maybe some of the some of the you know limitation and technique it looked like when really you know, it's it's trying to figure out where his help and where his guys are going to be. But the other thing that was really, really interesting was he's so physically big and strong. It reminded me of young Reuben Brown. He just, oh, wow. hand on, he just put a hand on somebody and choke him down. And that's how Rube was until Rube really got the flow of the game and really understood what was going on. He won because, hey, my guy is more physically superior than your guy. And it's that simple. And, yeah. Um, you know, when I look at Torrance, that's what I see. So he still has a lot to work on. He still has to get more comfortable. But I think that's your starting right guard when we. Yeah, I was very right. happy that they started him um, so we can see him against the ones for for the, the Colts. The, the right. biggest thing for me, um, also Bates came in as um, the backup center. So right. that was interesting because I know I had talked about you know, wondering what we were going to do there and whether or not we were going to keep um, Mance uh, in order right. uh, to be that yeah. backup. But Tommy Doyle um, and Ike, uh, I, right in the beginning of the third quarter, they gave up like, a, I think it was the first play. It was just terrible. And Tommy looked like he tweaked something. And they're, they're saying it was the same knee that he just had the, um, the, was it an ACL or MCL or both? ACL, <laughs> I don't even remember. It was probably um, it was probably all three things. It's probably cartilage, MCL, and ACL, I would imagine. So there's they're saying that it's just a contusion, but then other people are speculating that it might be a strain or sprain. Um, but you know, I'm not, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that his his position was safe to begin with. And 
I mean, he just let that play blow up and, you know, but then today, um, if, if most people, again, we're recording this on Tuesday, but if most people didn't know, um, Brandon Shell didn't show up to practice today and then it was known, let known that he's uh, retiring. So um, now Brandon shells. Yeah, it's huge. He's, he's primarily just right tackle. So I didn't kind of see him as a swing anyways. Um, Questenberry can swing, but I, I had shell as is our backup. I had him as number two and I was kind of concerned of whether or not, you know, Questenberry was going to make the team until I, you know, started seeing, you know, Tommy. And I was like, well, there's a good potential that Questenberry makes the team because he can play both sides. Um, how do you feel or do you feel that, um, you know, we're going to go out and look for another right tackle, you know, or do you think that Questenberry begrudgingly is going to be able to be the swing tackle? And, you know, do you think we keep Tommy Doyle regardless now? I think they're in trouble. Um, they're one injury away from being, being in panic mode. Um, you know, Dion Dawkins has been incredibly durable throughout his career. Um, He's not a guy that that tends to have a bunch of injury issues, but obviously Spencer Brown does. And right. I love Spencer Brown, and I love him and, and Torrance together. I think that gives you a really physically nasty side of the football that you can run behind. I think eventually that's where their bread and butter will be made as those two play together and, and you know build a relationship and understand where each other is going to be. Um, I'm a big Spencer Brown fan, but, I mean, he's rolling with a – with a situation where at any moment he can be laid up for quite a while. Um, Quisenberry is a guy that can get you through a game. Tommy Doyle is a guy that can get you through a game. Um, you know, I was kind of hanging my head on the Brandon Shell pickup. I thought that was a very, very good pickup by Bean because it brings in a veteran presence that can play right tackle, probably get you through a game at left tackle if you had to. Um, but he's a guy that's played at a high level. He's got some good game film. And, and can go out and you can win games with them. Um, I don't know if we have anybody like that on our roster right now. Um, right. I don't want to see Ryan Bates playing tackle. Um, to me, anyway, when I look at <laughs> when I look at our roster, okay, when I look at our roster and I say, who's my best third tackle? Well, it's probably the guy that's starting at right guard because, you know, you can say, oh, well, he's a guard. Guys, we just moved him to guard a month ago. He's played left tackle or right tackle his entire career in the SEC against some of the best competition right. that you can play against and gave up zero sacks. So, honestly, that's probably your best option at right tackle if you have an issue with Spencer Brown. You put Bates in it at right guard so you get a veteran presence next to Torrance and then let Torrance go. There'll be people that lose their minds over this. But I'm just telling you, I don't with, – with the shell retirement – it puts them in a very, very precarious situation. And, you know, I'm with you. I think Bates is your inside swing guy, right? Do they keep Edwards and, and have him as a veteran backup inside too? I don't know. But um, I think they need to keep Edwards. Right. I mean, after Edwards and after, you know, obviously Shell now gone, then you got Bates. After Edwards and Bates, I mean. Well, I think Ike – is going to take some time to come back, um, like to really come back to form. But, um, you know, so I think that they keep, you know, Ike in there as well. 
But I'm starting to think that if they don't pick up another right tackle, they might only keep nine people on the line. You know, is it me, Sarah, or does it seem like they have the same guy over and over and over again? It's like they've got all these guys, they got all different names, and they're all the same dude. They got the same build, they got the same ability, they play the same positions. I mean, it's like they've got all these right. guys, like you know, tell me the difference between Mance or Edward. they're all the same to me. And well, you know, nobody they, really sticks out. I mean, that's the one thing that over the years though, um, that we've heard from McDermott and from Bean is they want the guys that are interchangeable, that that can play all this the positions inside that, you know, or if they're tackle, they can be a swing tackle. They want, you know, multiple positions. So maybe in the end it kind of ends up where they they do look like the same the same player because um they're kind of expected to be. Um, you know, I've seen some of the the two rookies, um uh, broker and garage. And, you know, I think that they want to try to keep, they probably want to try to keep broker, but I don't see them keeping him, you know, as an expense. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying is I don't see them keeping him at the expense of somebody else, which means that they got to cut him and, and hope he clears, um, you know, clears the, the waiver, uh, in order to bring him back to practice squad. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of, you know, Wondering if they only keep nine. Um, but last week I was concerned that we might keep 11. So, <laughs> well, I think that you never, you know, they'll probably never keep more than 10. Nine's probably a good number with this group. I wouldn't put it past Bean and them to try to go find somebody, uh, after the right. after the cuts made to see if there's somebody out there they can bring in to help with that depth. The guy that I was kind of really disappointed in looked kind of uninterested and maybe almost feels like the writing's on the wall was Quentin Morris. I thought he played horribly. He missed he had, I think he had one catch game. that I was I was you know drop. like oh wow. You know and then but was, then he had a couple of drops and he he didn't look you know the part um I have went back and forth about this um I did it last year as well. Um I think Quentin Morris is a very very good tight end um <clears> but if he's not going to show up then um Maybe we only keep two tight ends, knowing that we're keeping, um, you know, Reggie Gilliam and put him in a, in a pinch if we if we need to. Um, then uh, who's the tight end that we picked up? Sternberger's a very good tight end. He did have the fumble on the big hit with the helmet put on the ball. But Sternberger is a really good tight end that is in the mold of he's kind of a hybrid between right. Knox and Kincaid. Kincaid. He's, a, he's more of a route runner, but he can block. <clears throat> I but I could see played... him, you know, put, putting him right. on practice squad, not that thinking that he'd, yeah, yes. not thinking that he'd get picked up. So maybe we, we, you know, as much as we've all been saying three tight ends, maybe we only keep two knowing that, that Jillian, that Reggie Gilliam can, can come right. in. And then we keep um, me, on, the, on the practice squad. That's exactly what makes sense to me. Sternberger was a, uh, USFL guy. He's from Kingfisher, Oklahoma. I think he played at AM, I believe. I know his brother, his brother might have played. His brother was in the league for a little bit too. Both of them were tight ends, but no, I think you're 100 percent correct. I I just I feel bad. I like Morris, but I just thought that he looked completely uninterested on Saturday, especially in the run game. I went back and looked at some of the stuff and um just was was not there. So you know, we talked about it. You and I talked about it. Running backs are running backs. I mean, Cook should be the guy that gets the majority of the work. Harris was in there, but he didn't play this week. He's there. 
Um, I thought Murray looked like Murray. He did what a veteran guy does. He's a pro, right? He knows what he's he, supposed to do. He, makes he doesn't plays. look 33, though. He definitely looked no. good on some of the – I mean, yeah. granted, he was playing more with, you know, the second, third team. Um, but I thought he looked really good on several runs. Uh, Cook looked great. I think he averaged five yards per carry. Um, I'm excited well, it also to see helped what... when the Colts. It also helped on the touchdown run when we line up and the Colts line everybody up inside the, the tight end. I mean, it was like – Thank you for that, Chef. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, <clears throat> but you know, but I would like to believe we just read that right. Like, in no. I, I want to. Ble- <laughs> so, Cook read it right. The yeah. rest of them blocked the play. You know, there's. You know, I'm sure Mitch Morris is probably sitting there going, "He's done it so long. Like, why do we have 11 guys inside the tight end?" Right. But um, no, kind of, kind of going what you've been talking about lately, and you, you know, you like to talk numbers and all that we just had the conversation about what do they do at tight end and do you keep, you, you consider Reggie your emergency guy. Do you go ahead and keep Kincaid and Knox? If you, if you let go of Morris, you put Sternberger on the, on the practice squad. Now all of a sudden things are starting to free up a little bit. I think we got a tremendous log jam at receiver. Right. Um, you know, granted I'm not a practice every day. I haven't been to practice. I just watched the game, but you know, I think that there's some guys that are making waves. I know he dropped one ball. Khalil Shakir is a good receiver. The Andy yeah. Isabella kid, to me, is that's what I look at when I see a slot receiver. He's my slot Thank guy. You. Um, yes, he is a guy not trying to impersonate a slot receiver. He is a slot guy. Um, I think he's got a lot of ability. I think he's a playmaker. He runs well with the ball. He's fast. And he's a return guy, right? So you've he got is. him. I think the flying the ointment, and I keep going back to that term, but we talked about it earlier. I don't – right now, Justin Shorter is not an NFL receiver. Now, granted, he's got an NFL body, but he's got a lot to learn. And, you know, do you risk – what was he, a six-round pick? Fifth. <clears throat> he was a fifth. So, obviously, a fifth is probably not going anywhere. I've seen, I've seen things – crazier things happen, but – Here's a guy that's gonna is gonna suck up a roster spot at receiver, and I don't know if he dresses day one. I don't know if he yeah, if he, and you know, and I agree. I don't think they will dress him. I think he'll be inactive until they feel that he can really perform on special teams. In the end, I I feel like they that's why they drafted him was special teams and right. the hope that he's going to progress into um you know this this great wide receiver. I mean, he was a, a number one recruit. He was a five-star number one recruit um, coming out of high school. Um, I think that they think that there's something there. He had a couple of really good plays during, um, during camp granted it's camp. Uh, I don't see them letting him go because even if everyone's like, well, practice squad, they still got to let him go. They still got to cut him, and he has to go through waivers that man with that body is not going to make it through waivers, in my opinion. But we've all had those, you know, opinions before and, and made out to look like idiots. We were all like, don't cut Blackshear. No, everyone's going to want him. And, you know, he he made it. He cleared waivers and we put him on the practice squad. So we're, we all have those feelings. I just am in the because he's so good on special teams. I just feel like they will not um, give up shorter. Um we kind of, he was kind of a little bit of a reach. Uh, they, they drafted him in the fifth round. He wasn't projected in, you know, until the seventh or as an undrafted free agent. So 
I feel like they took that that risk because they wanted him. Um, I don't think that they will just give him up. So I am still trying to figure out how they get creative with the the roster because I I like how much Isabel has been playing. Um, I feel like Hardy can be used once in a while as like the the gadget play guy and then exclusively as our return man. Um, and then I look at uh, Isabella as being the actual um, slot guy uh, and then having, you know, Shakir um, right. come in and, and spell whoever needs to. Uh, I feel like we might keep seven. I want to say we, we keep seven, um, but using, again, using Hardy as, you know, the um, exclusive, you know, return man. Um you know, I don't think I don't think Hardy's going anywhere. I don't think um, Sheriff, what is it? Sheriffield's going anywhere. Um, obviously, Diggs and Davis aren't going anywhere. So, I and I obviously want Kincaid and Knox to get a lot of targets as well. So, keeping seven is risky. But if we only keep three, or excuse me, two tight ends, there goes that. You know, there goes the additional spot right. that um, I think everyone's worried about. It was. Um... Again, like I said, they do have some some sorting out to do. Um, that'll start to happen as we move into another preseason game. You know, now they only play three; they don't play four. So this next game will be your game where you see the starters play probably a half and a quarter. I don't know if we'll see Josh or Diggs play that much, but I think ninety nine percent of your roster, or I should say, ninety nine percent of your starters, will play that half. Usually, they only yeah. I was gonna say usually they only play Josh um, a series or maybe a quarter. Um, right. So we'll see, you know, how that. So, yeah. And so here's something I wanted to run something by you real quick. And, and just kind of wanted to see if this is something that was maybe a little concerning to you or there's, there's, you know, defensively it was, you know, they played fine. Like I said, the thing that was nice to see was they have an aggressive nature to them. Now, obviously the secondary is going to have to get used to that because they're going to get put on an Island a little bit more, with the pressure and the things that McDermott does. Are we concerned yet as a fan base? Are we concerned yet as a group about the uh, progression of Elam at that cornerback spot? Are we worried that he possibly is, is maybe not where he needs to be at this point in his career? So I've been, you know, hearing, and again, whether or not it's true or not, I've been hearing that he is the CB2 that even though they've started Dane Jackson a couple of times, um, it's more to push Elam, I guess, um, but that he will be the starter uh, on, you know, on day one. Um, I guess if if Jackson comes out and keeps on looking the part, um, I think that there was a couple of, of plays that Jackson didn't look great on, but then he had the pick, um, which he did look good on. Um, I think Elam looks decent out there. Um, but again, he went against different uh, competition than, than Jackson did. Um, I believe that they will probably start Elam uh, at CB2 this week. So he gets a chance to, you know, to really um, have right. his reps. Uh, so I'll let you know after this week. <laughs> here's why, exactly. But here's why I bring this up, Sarah, because, you know, we've heard, because last year when he was picked, it was kind of a some or not two years ago, I guess. Now this is his second year. Um, when he was chosen, there were some people saying, "Well, it's going to be a 
it's going to be a learning experience for him because he's played in the Florida defense where all he's done is stick his face in a receiver's chest and played press man his entire right. career, right? And we know that that's not what Leslie Frazier was about. Um, now we're in a situation where, you know what, he's probably going to get a lot more press man type situations. And you would think that he would flash and he would pop. And I just don't, I don't know. That's what it kind of concerned me with. And like you said, maybe he starts next week. Right. But, you know, it was, that's the one area that surprised me is that I thought that he would be a little bit further along than he is now. Right. You know, I've watched him. I've watched a lot of um, tape on him uh, over the last you know, year now. Cause I, I started last year. I was like, where, when did he change? Cause he went right. from um, not looking great. And then the last five or six games of the season, he started looking pretty darn good. Um, and then I, you know, I looked, I watched him a lot um, at camp and then again at, for this game. And I plan on hopefully getting to see him a lot more um, this weekend. Um, Cause I hope he plays with the, the first team, but the one thing that I've, I've noticed is he gets very handsy and he did get called um, for a penalty or two right. um, on Saturday. And it, it kind of bothers me because he reminds me a lot of, of, of sauce Gardner when it comes to the hand checking and the, you know, yeah. getting handsy. Yeah. Sauce doesn't get called for it. He does. And no. you know, well, you don't have a cool first name like sauce. <laughs> it bothers me. And I think sauce is terrific. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to dig at him whatsoever. I think he is a very, he's one of the best. Um, but it, it kind of, what it makes me feel like, well, he was picked top, you know, top five. So do they give him a little bit more, you know, yes. leeway um, yeah. versus, you know, what, what Elam's been getting. Um, I would like, I, I can't wait to see how he progresses this year, uh, but he needs to be careful with and see what the what the refs are giving him every game and well, realize that if he starts to get called for you know one time he gets called he needs to back off a little bit um because they're going to continue to call it there's nothing worse though than preseason officiating because <laughs> this is why there should be year-round officiating and not these guys can go sell insurance and then come back and be Officials and some of them are, are executives and vice right, presidents. Right. Like they well, have real, like real, one of real the top, jobs. one of the top ref, one of the refs in the league, one of the top refs in the league, um, is from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay. Um, he was a principal and a head basketball coach at a local high school forever until recently he, um, he went to just being an official. So yeah, they uh, Clay Martin is his name. You'll see him. Clay's the real big, mm-hmm. tall, blonde-headed dude that's always real stoic. You know. So, but there's nothing worse than officiating in the preseason because all these guys have just been through x amount of workshops because they start they start their deal up right about when the players do. So they've been doing their workshops and they've been coming in talking to the teams and guys. This is what we're going to call this year. And so now they got their preseason checklists. And they're out there mm-hmm. trying to fill up quotas, and it's like going th- it's like going through a speed trap in a small town in Oklahoma, right? I mean, preseason football is already brutal enough as it is. Now we're going to go ahead and we're going to throw five hundred flags. And we're going to make it a nine hour yeah. affair. And that there was a lot of penalties called. Um, it was a little sloppy at times. So um, right. the one thing I will say that I was impressed about is, um, uh, you know, I was there, so I don't know if they showed it uh, on camera. Um, 
group got called for um, uh, lining up in the uh, the neutral zone. And him and Vaughn were both sitting there talking to uh, the ref that called it um, and, you know, kind of showing him what he was doing and, right. you know, trying to figure out. I thought, number one, for Vaughn, um, awesome to to just be there, you know, because the, the ref might not have been like, who the heck is this group guy? You know, like, right. you know, this um, third year player thinks he, he can, you know, take take away my time type thing. Right. But the fact that Vaughn wanted to understand what what was being called and why it was being called. Um, Vaughn impressed me uh, seeing him a couple of times during the game, just on the sidelines, talking to the line, talk, you know, talking up the the younger players. Um, if he ever wants to be a coach or a GM, like he talks about, I think he's going to be amazing at it. Um, I really appreciate what he was doing, uh, you know, on the sidelines. Um, I don't know how much of it they showed on TV in the, um, the first half. I haven't been able to rewatch the game yet. Um, but yeah, I was definitely impressed with Vaughn. So my um, favorite part about Vaughn this weekend is when they interviewed him on the sidelines, he was courteous enough to take his damn sunglasses off and put them on top of his head. So when he gave the interview, you could see his eyes and you could see the oh, nice. with the sideline reporter. That was the most impressive thing that he did this weekend yeah. for me. But Vaughn's a gentleman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um well, we have just a few minutes left. Uh do you have anything else to say about the game or yeah, real quick. I just kind of wanted your um because oddly enough, I actually saw people that I don't know if it was to get a rise out of people or they were actually serious. What was your um, assessment of, of DeMar? How did you think he played and how did you think that all went? I mean, he had two really good plays that I saw um, that I, you know, paid attention to. One was a solo um, tackle that, you know, he was pretty much the first one there to, to um, break, you know, to, to stop the play. And then he had the one with Dotson. Um, you know, at one point I, I was like, he's not going to make the team because we already have, um, enough why, you know, enough safeties that there's a good chance he shouldn't make the team based on how, how well he pour him. I know that with everything that happened, there is no way. PR would kill us, you know, um, the PR would kill us for, for letting him go. Um, so of course he was going to make the the team, but you know, there's been nothing but positive things being said about him about how he's been playing. Um, but you're, so you've been hearing his name a little bit more than well, some people said he wasn't name. as aggressive. He didn't play with that kind of throw your body around thing and all that. So I, and maybe I, again, maybe once I see it on television, it'll be different. But I didn't notice that in, in person. No, I, I felt played, like I thought he played fine. Yeah, I felt like, oh wow, that was Demara that made that hit, or oh wow, right. Demara's in another stop on right. you know fourth and one. So you know, again, once I watch it um, and actually pay attention to you know more specifically to players, I might have a different thing to to say um, next right. week when we talk about it. But um, you know, it, obviously, we're going to keep at least four safeties um at one point i felt like you know we would keep um uh God, what's his name that we got from Rap Atlanta? marlo marlo yeah marlo, marlo. i felt Dean. like we were rap we're keeping no matter what he's he's on the team um but i kept on thinking um you know bring him dean back and everything i felt like we were going to keep him potentially over hamlin but um the one good thing about marlo is we could 
we could uh, tell him, hey, you're just going to be on the practice squad. We got Cam Lewis as well. Yeah, Cam's been injured though, hasn't he been? Like I, I haven't so. seen. Yeah, I was gonna say I haven't seen much Hamlet of him. Him and Hamlet are both tied for that second position. That's second. right. Yeah, there's there's a good chance uh, it's going to come down to you know one of them. The one thing with Cam is he can play both. You know, um, the slot or the um, the nickel uh, DB he can play as a DB and he can play safety. So you know, it's it's kind of like well, Demar can't you know play all those positions. So then, do we keep five safeties and then put Marlo on you know the practice squad? Um, Here's what I was. It's going to be interesting. If you had to cut Demar, okay, um, I think Demar as a man would probably understand it and probably yeah. handle it. I mean, the way he's handled everything right now shows me no reason why he wouldn't handle it well. Oh yeah, and he'd get if picked he, back up. In a if second, there released, is a team. Let him get picked back up. Let him have his career. And the minute his career is over, you call him on the phone, you bring him to the stadium, and you hire him as your as your player personnel guy, as your guy that's player development, that works with your rookies, works with your guys. He's in the community, and you give him a lifetime job, and you say you can be here as long as you want to be here. And you can bring your foundation to the city of Buffalo and you can do your foundation and whatever you want. That's the, that is what he's earned and he would be unbelievable in that position. And I think that's hopefully it's somewhere down the road. We're talking about that, that they just hired him after his career is over. But obviously there's a lot of football left to be played by him. Right. And it, it, it did bust me up a little bit seeing him out there. I mean, it was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, thing, And so. I mean, I think we're all rooting for him. Um, you know, the, it is a business, though. So yes. do, do, do the Bills look at it as we need to make the right business decision for PR standards, you know, no. what looks the best? Or do we need no. to pick the 53 no. best players to be out on that field? You know, it looks the best for the Bills, that their record is really good and they're playing winning football and they're they're trying to win a championship. Right. I hate to so, say that. I'm not trying to yeah, be cold. No. I'm not trying to but, be insensitive. They will always but, do what's best for the football team, no matter. Right, what. and UA is a really good, you know. And I actually have it. I just looked at my, I just peeped at my notes. I actually have the asterisk by um, Hamlin and Cam Lewis because I was saying that fourth spot is going to come down to the two of them, and everyone's saying no, Cam Lewis is a lock, Demar is a lock. I'm like, okay, well that means we're keeping five safeties, right. and let's go through the cornerbacks. How many cornerbacks are we going to keep? Because we're going to keep. You know, Taryn Johnson, we're going to keep Dane Jackson. We're going to keep um, Benford. We're going to keep Elam. We're going to keep Trey White. That is a lot of DBs between our, well, you know, corners and our safeties. I do think if there's a few areas, if we want to go out and trade for one of two positions, one being one I think is more important than the other. And it, and after today's turn of events, it went to number one right from number two, which is a tackle backup, a, a solid guy right. that can play snaps not take up space a guy that can play snaps is probably number one and number two is do you want to go ahead and revamp that backup quarterback role and bring somebody else in if you're going to go trade for somebody we've got a couple positions where we've got some talent stocked up right. to where we could throw guys in dbs are one of them i think you've got a lot of interchangeable defensive linemen you could probably throw somebody in with that and the other position is is wide receiver we got a couple of guys that could possibly, you know, guys move in and guys move right. out. And you're like, wow, I can't believe you traded them. But when you see what you're getting back for these guys. Boogie um, um, Boogie you know. Basham actually has had 
a great camp and he actually looked really good out there on Saturday. Um, there might be, you know, the, at one point we were talking about whether or not Shaq gets cut and put on practice squad. Um, but there's a potential to keep Shaq and try to trade Boogie. Um, and at one point right. we're like, but there's no trade value for Boogie. But I think there is now. I think right. he looked really good. Um, we're hearing how wonderful of a camp AJ Epinesis had, even though he was invisible on Saturday. Um, you know, right. we've heard he's had a wonderful camp. So, does that so there is, the we do have options, you know, right. there, especially on the edge. Um, I still think we keep all five defensive tackles. Um, I don't think that that's there's going to be any question there. I think we keep, you know, uh, Daquan, Ed Oliver, um, Tim Settle, and then Puna. I don't think there's going to be, you know, any any changes there. Um, Vaughn depends on whether or not he's still on pup coming into week right. one. I think they should keep him on pup. Yes, I, think I would that, too. Um, you know, but then again, if we got rid of someone like AJ Espinosa, uh, Epinesa or Boogie Basham, um, does it speed up his his return a little bit more? Probably does. So, um, yeah, I think that there's there's some options there. You know, wide receiver. It, it scares me to think about, you know, because we don't have any any guys that are, you know, terrific that, you know, are, are backups. We have some that seem to be serviceable, you know, serviceable. Um, and we're hoping that, like, Shakir steps up this year. And we're hoping that, um, you know, he has a better year. We're Hardy and um, Sherfield, I don't believe, um, are tradable really um because you know they just came from other teams and it would look like it right. would almost look like they just couldn't make our team um so i think that the wide receiver though even though we have a deep wide receiver room i don't think that we have any that are really tradable unless we were looking at trading davis which i don't think happens um davis has had and i will eat my words but he has had an incredible camp um i still hope we wait to uh, I, I hate saying it. I, I still hope we wait to sign him to an extension because um, I want to see how he actually performs. If he performs great the first eight weeks of the season, then give him the extension. Um, but I, like, I want to see him during the regular season. I want to see him out there, not on the practice field, um, looking great like he did last year. So um you know, other than that, you know, just quickly before we, we end, uh, most people uh, know that Delvin Cook has signed with the Jets, $8.6 million um, contract, uh, seven of which is the base and then uh, 1.6 as incentives. Uh, Zeke um, has signed with the Patriots. I believe mm -hmm. that was a $6 million um, base. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't, I think that included the one a one million dollars signing bonus. I don't think there was any incentives with that one. Um, and then, as we talked about a little bit earlier, Brandon Shell, our right or backup right tackle, decided to retire today. So um, it'll be a busy week, I think, um, with us trying to figure out what we're going to do on, you know, at right tackle, whether or not it's going to be Questenberry or we're going to go out and start looking. But you know, we might wait until people till cut down day until we have to get down to 53 before we do decide to go out and get um, another right tackle. Cause maybe we sit there and, and wait to see if there's a surprise cut or two. Um, there usually is. So um, 
I don't know. I, I our line just got me got me scary again. Well, hey, that gives us something to talk about next week after this next preseason game. And uh, you've been listening to the Line the Game show here on the Buffalo Rumblings Network. Again, we came to you recorded this week. Next week we'll be live. Uh, we'll be Wednesday night, nine Eastern, eight Central. We'll talk Bills. We might get into a little bit of college football. I'm not sure. But um, we got the college season coming up as well. So for Sarah Larson, I am the big OJ Ostrowski. As always, we'll catch you next week. One love and go Bills. Go Bills. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.